So last week, um, we had a message called Dig Deeper. And it, it's not in the series. We're not in the series uh, today either. It doesn't always have to be a, a series. It can just be a, a message. And so my hope and, and prayer for this this morning is, is it's, what's, it's what we all need to follow what we talked about last week. And we had four main points with our Dig Deeper message. Kind of got real, hopefully, for maybe some of us. Um, that message will be going online uh, tomorrow if you missed it. But our four points were this. First of all, be humble before the Lord and honest with others. We pulled all of this from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's the whole chapter. Uh, but be humble before the Lord and honest with others. God wants us as we are. He already knows we're, we're broken people. We talked about that uh, two weeks ago. He already knows that, so stop putting up the front, even in front of other people. Be honest with others and approach God humbly. The second point we talked about was that the Holy Spirit searches our hearts and shows more of who God is to us. Jesus left us with the Holy Spirit, came down and rested upon the apostles, tongues of fire, Pentecost. It's not how much does a penny cost, that's one cent, right? That's a different thing. This is a usually a liturgical holiday. That joke just went right by all of your heads. That's okay. Maybe it's a Methodist thing. Uh, maybe Jay and I will chuckle later. I don't know. But um, So the Holy Spirit should dwell within us if we know the Lord. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we know that we're broken people and depend on Him for His forgiveness. The Holy Spirit searches our hearts and shows more of who God is to us. Our third point was was very blunt, and this again is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Without the Holy Spirit in your life, you cannot know God. There's no way around it. It's, it's black and white. It's oil and water. There's no way. You can't get to God without Holy Spirit within you. And then the fourth thing was the gut check. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have the responsibility to grow with God. It's a relationship. You have to grow. You have to cultivate. It's not enough to just say, hey, I'm a Christian, done, okay, let me go back to the bar and get all drunk and crazy. Let me go back to my sinful past. Let me go back to, no, that's not what it is. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have the responsibility to grow with God. And How do you do that? Our biggest way is with this. And again, yours might be a different color. It might not be the same version. You might have your own scribbles and highlights and notes in it, and that's fantastic. That's yours. This is mine, B-I-B-L-E, right? Maybe we should have sang that song this morning. Uh, people are singing along with that. So um, we finished up with a challenge. And that challenge was to read the book of Ephesians this prior week. There's just six chapters in Ephesians. They're, it's short. Um, did anyone get a chance to finish through that and read it all? Good show of hands. You're being honest with yourselves and before the Lord and others, right, in that first point. Yeah, that's fantastic. So why do we do that? Why do we read through that? Here's part of why. George Barna wrote The State of the Church in 2002, and you may have heard things of Barna studies or not. They're, they're big in the church world of, of assessing church growth and statistics across the country, but they conducted a survey of self-pronounced Christians. These are the people who already profess to be Christians, right? 
This is back in, in 2002 and about their knowledge of the Bible. 48% could not name the four Gospels. Half. Half of self-professing Christians could not name the four Gospels. Hopefully we can, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Okay, all right. That's, I'm not putting you down if you don't. This is okay. This is what we need to know. 52% cannot identify more than two or three of Jesus' disciples. We know how many there were, right? Twelve. We know they drove a Honda, right? It says the disciples, that's right, the disciples went around in one accord. Boom, shh. More corny jokes to come. Okay. 52% could not, I have a slow clap, it's that bad, right, James? Over half could not identify more than two or three of Jesus' disciples. Here's another one. 60% of American Christians can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. Okay? 61% of American Christians think the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. 71% of American Christians, 71, think God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. George Barna said, Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't know what it says. And because they don't know it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. That's the truth. That was the gut check we ended up with last week. We have a responsibility, knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing Jesus Christ, to grow in worship and the Word. Those were the two big W's we ended up with last week, worship and the Word. And these repeated, or these surveys were repeated uh, of thousands of people the next time again in 2013 and 2014, and the numbers only got worse. You can find it online if you want. We hit numbers of like 81%. Um, it just So anyway, the people saying they know the Bible really don't. So to keep us always trying to be a church where that does not happen, we had that Ephesians challenge. And I hope it, you don't stop there. I really don't. I hope Ephesians was maybe just the tip of the iceberg for you to maybe figure out some kind of daily schedule. Just read a chapter. There's 66 books in here. You may or may not know that. There's a lot of small little print in here. There's a lot in here. Just take a chapter at a time. Start with the Proverbs. Great lessons of life. 31. It's not crazy. Reading this book will hopefully set us up for where we're going to pick up today. And we again, we, we read through Ephesians. And I wanted us to read through Ephesians to set us up for what we're going to talk about today so that I hopefully won't have to recap too much. That it'll make maybe more sense. And that should be the goal is that when you come here, this is not the... I look at this Sunday morning as the icing on the cake, if you will. The whole week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, has led up to today. And today is the chance to, to recharge and refresh. It's the icing on the cake. It's not the meat to get us going for next week. This is the chance we get to respond for all the good things that God has done in our lives these past five, six days. If we're in worship and we're in the Word these past five or six days, this is not unusual for us when we come here on a Sunday morning. This is our chance to actually put it all together and do what we've been doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday with other people. And that's when it gets exciting. Okay. There's a lot going on in these short six chapters in Ephesians as well as one of the most well-known scripture passages in the New Testament, the armor of God. Uh, hopefully, if you read all of Ephesians, you, that might have a light bulb. Well, light bulb. 
you've seen, um, what is it, that little Gru and the minions and all, light bulb, okay. Um, we're going to kind of sum up this book in three main phrases, three main phrases. And to do that, we're going to look at, guess where, Ephesians. So turn to chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, and we're going to dig deeper here together than we did hopefully during the week, which is just reading. And now we're going to assess, analyze, evaluate, and then reciprocate. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And I set this up because consequently, is because Paul is writing that Jesus preached peace to everyone. So that's what the consequently means. We're going to pick up in verse 19. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, and members of God's household, built on the foundation of, of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. That makes sense to us now, talking about our Holy Spirit should dwell within us. We are the building blocks of this church. We are, the people. True Life Church is not the brick and mortar in these 3,310 or some odd square feet. We are the bricks that put this church together. And Jesus is our foundation, or he should be. We each have something to offer, something to give, some talent to share in being part of this church. Using Legos or Lincoln Logs, Growing up teaches us we can't build a wall with holes in it. It won't stand or it's easy to tear down. And here in verse 22, In him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is our first phrase or our first point. And it's simple. You're going to notice a trend. Join up. That's our first phrase. Join up. Period. Join up. It's going to be an up trend. I thought about putting just the word up for today, but most people would think of the Disney movie. Um, and I can't get through the first 10 minutes without crying. So it's just, oh, Josh has a heart. It's a good movie. Good movie. I, I, I know. It's so sad. But I didn't want, anyway, so I didn't want us thinking about that. Now we're thinking about that. Get, get brains back out of Disney up. And let's talk about join up. Join up. That's our first phrase today. Be a part of what God is doing here. Be involved with or lead a Bible study. Bring diapers for the Florida Baptist Children's Home. Give canned goods to a food pantry. Help out in treehouse or clubhouse kids. Mentor a coffeehouse student. I'm staring at James. James smiles. So, yeah, he needs it. James. James needs some help. Poor James. Someone please mentor James. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, seriously. There are virtually countless ways to join up here at True Life Church. Be a part of the body of Christ. Hopefully I'm not going to have to dive too deep into this first phrase. It's kind of a basic one. And if you're here, that's great. But are you here here? You know, are you not just attending on Sunday mornings? Are you, are you going to Bible studies with other people? Are you helping make an impact in the community? Have you signed up to to bring snacks on a Sunday morning? How do you think those things get back there that you all love to share cookies and all that kind of stuff or to serve back there in, in hospitality or be a greeter one Sunday a month or once every six weeks or so? Say, I'll, I can stand out front. I can get here 20 minutes early and 
and tell people good morning. I can do that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16, and that will lead us to our second phrase. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean? Paul's explaining this here. Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. How could he ascend if he hadn't gone down? If Jesus hadn't experienced death, how could he then raise to life? Okay, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles. This is what we're talking about. You all have a gift. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ, again, may be built up. There's another up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. Now, here's really the meat of what we're going to focus on. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be, what, if you're reading along, infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, in all things, grow up, there's another up, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, maturing in Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together, us, by every supporting ligament, you, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And this is our second phrase. That's going to be our gut check for today. I have one every week. Second phrase. Grow up. First phrase, join up. Second phrase, grow up. Grow up. I'm looking in the mirror just as much when I say this, so don't think. This is for all of us, no matter where you're at. Grow up. Reading the Word of God helps us mature spiritually. The things that happen that might unnerve someone else shouldn't bother us. Our perspective totally shifts with the Holy Spirit from the temporary to the eternal. Let's look at a few examples. Uh, losing your cell phone worldly calamity. What about being calm when you lose your cell phone and then being an example to others? That's not a big deal. That's an object. I can make a really big statement to someone else. What about getting in a car wreck? We've had some accidents uh, talked about these past couple weeks. Worldly calamity. What about ministering to the person who hit your car? Maybe they bumped into you for a reason. Ever think about that? Christian radio has even dumbed much of its stuff down as well. It's one of the reasons I don't listen to it. I don't. I listen to podcasts. I listen to these lovely things called Spotify or iTunes radio where I can specifically listen to not some of this stuff that they dumbed down and put on ZD at point three. And a song came out a few years ago by Francesca Battistelli called This Is The Stuff. And though she has some other songs that aren't like this, so I'm not putting everything she does or who she is down as a person. I want to read you these lyrics, though. This is what's popular on Christian radio. <clears throat> Here's the lyrics. I lost my keys in the great unknown. And call me, please. 
because I can't find my phone. This is the stuff that drives me crazy. This is the stuff that's getting to me lately. In the middle of my little mess, I forget how big I'm blessed. This is the stuff that gets under my skin. But I've got to trust you know exactly what you're doing. Might not be what I would choose, but this is the stuff you use. Next verse, 45 and a 35. Sirens and fines while I'm running behind. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I'm not trying to upset you if you like this song. I'm not. They put in a catchy musical hook, and I get it, and that's about it. And they play it 18,000 times if you listen to Z88.3, I've heard. There is no true theology in this song. And this is what's on Christian radio. Losing your keys and your phone is not something that should throw a growing Christian off. You choosing to go over the speed limit and get a ticket is not something God did to you. He didn't use that. That's something you chose with your free will. Can God use that? Sure, sometimes. But don't even one second think that you breaking the law or losing your keys is something God does on purpose to teach you a lesson. If the writer of Ephesians heard this, I think he would be, wait for another joke, appalled. Okay, I told you they were coming. Okay, I get props for that. Paul would say what? Paul would say what? Grow up. Verse 14, stop being infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind. Grow up in your faith. Pull up the pampers. Big boy pants, put them on. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Paul even goes on to tell us a few basic ways we can grow up. It's not all the ways, but a few of them. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up, another up, for us as a fragment offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Are your lives impure in any way? Try to get it out. Grow up spiritually. Any type of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather, thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Don't support what someone else is doing if it's not right. We should imitate God. We should look at the living example of Jesus Christ. (coughs) Do you think it's okay to to be a growing Christian and be jealous of someone else's stuff? It's not. You think it's okay to be a growing Christian and curse? It's not. Those are things immature people do, Paul tells us. Those are things people without a decent vocabulary do. Settle on three adjectives the whole time. Short four-letter ones. 
You could do better than that. Those aren't things that a professing Christian should do who is knowing, growing, and walking with Jesus. So we've got join up so far. Be part of what God is doing here. The second phrase, grow up. Grow up. Mature in your faith. Be that person that other people see something's different about them. They don't act the same way. They could have cursed. They didn't. They got upset, but they handled it well. What's making them different? You have a simple answer. Worship and the word. Our third phrase. Wake up. We have join up. We have grow up. Now we have wake up. We're going to read for that Ephesians chapter 5. Pick up right where we just left off. Verses 8 through 20. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. I think it's interesting here when I was reading through it. Paul didn't say you were in darkness. He said you were darkness, and now you are light. Not in darkness and in light. We were the darkness before. We are or should be the light now. Live as children of light. That's a whole separate Bible study right there. What does that mean to be children of light? For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. What does God want from you, for you? Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. Who are, who's the light again? We are the light of the world. Living in truth and righteousness and goodness. Those things of darkness should not dwell within us or around us. We should shed that light into our friends, into our relationships, into our classrooms, to our workplaces. This is why it is said, and this is where our third point comes from, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to, another, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. No longer in darkness, we should be light. Wake up. From your past. Wake up from a Christ absent lifestyle. Wake up from death to eternal life. Wake up to what it means to be a Christian, to have Christ in us, that Holy Spirit that searches our hearts and reveals more of who God is. Let's be wise with our decisions. Don't go out and get drunk with wine or beer, but instead be filled with the Word of God. If you know me or you have figured this out about me, I love college football. 
uh, especially my Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, anyone Georgia fans? No, I was. Yeah, it was that way when I was in growing up too, because my mom and dad both went, grew up in Georgia, went to UGA, and I was that one kid walking around wearing red and black with a little voice, "Go dogs!" When I was little, and everyone was like a Florida State or a UF fan. And UF, did you guys see that UF game yesterday? Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Boo. Yeah, boo. Some people boos. Some people excited. Um, so I love college football. And a lot, probably realistically, too much of my free time on Saturdays between September and early December is spent watching the teams I like or good game matchups. The reason the good teams are successful is not because of one running back or a great quarterback or wide receiver. It's not because they have the highest paid coach or the best university athletic director. It's because from the top down, the pyramid of leadership from the coach all the way down to the water boy believes in what they are doing together. They believe it so much that they dedicate their days to its perfection. Hours upon hours upon hours of practice, playbooks, and weightlifting. They watch films of their games and of their opponents always trying to get better. They regulate their food intake and eat the right proteins and calories. Everything they do, day and night, is think, breathe, eat, sleep, and play football. And we love watching it on Saturdays. If True Life Church were a spiritual football team, you're the roster, would we be a winning one? Would we think, breathe, eat, sleep, and be Christians? Would we regulate our intake of worldly persuasions and pursuits to maintain a holy perspective? Would we exercise our minds daily by reading the Word of God? Would we practice on the fields of adversity and uncomfortability and confrontation what we preach? Would we believe in what we're doing together so much that our belief in the Savior would shine through to others? Would our hearts sing out our spiritual fight song loud enough so that the other team knew we were serious? I want to take everything I've just said and now, rather than the wood, ask it. What if we replace every wood from what I said with an actual question? If True Life Church were a spiritual football team, Are we a winning one? Are we really thinking, breathing, eating, sleeping, being Christians? Are we regulating our intake of worldly persuasions and pursuits to maintain a holy perspective? Are we exercising our minds daily by reading the Word of God? Are we practicing what we preach on the fields of adversity and uncomfortability and confrontation? Are we believing in what we're doing together so much that our belief in the Savior shines through to others? Are our hearts singing out these spiritual fight songs we sing every week in worship loud enough so that the world and Satan knows we're serious. That's the other team, by the way. 
This has to be our focus leaving this building this morning. We have the opportunity to join up, to be a part of this great group of people. Y'all are a great group of people. I'm happy you're the roster. We have first stringers. We need second stringers. We need third stringers. Two and three deep. People who know Jesus Christ and want to be a part of what God is doing here. So we can get by with a first string, right? But that's what happens when like Arizona State plays USC and their first string is in the whole game. Guess what happens? They lose. They get gassed. They get tired. Same thing is going to happen for us. But we have the opportunity to join up, invite other people to be a part of this, to join up. Be a part of these building blocks of faith and live out what God is doing here. And we are called to more than what the world expects. To grow up and be mature in our actions and in our faith. To not waver when everything just doesn't go our way. And we have to wake up to stop our spiritual slumber and rise from darkness the darkness of sin, to the light of Christ. My hope and prayer for each one of us is that we take these steps of faith to join up, grow up, and wake up to a life that God has called us to. Let's pray. Lord, may what has been read and spoken this morning be your word for your people. Help us accept or evaluate the mirror ourselves to awaken from the darkness to the light of life. May we be a people that search and seek after you to want to know you more and that we're doing those things that we should be, reading the word, that we don't fall into that group of the Barna study where a bunch of Christians don't even know the Bible they say they believe. But may our hearts be found in you. And may these songs ring true in our hearts and awaken us so that the other team knows we are serious. There is a spiritual battle going on that we can't often see. And it's being waged on the battlegrounds of people's hearts in our community. And some of those people are losing. They're taking their life. They're getting in fights. They're not treating their husbands or their wives as they should. They're not standing up in the presence of wrong. Help us be those people, God. Give us the courage and strength to be those people. Like we read last week in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul, though he was knowledgeable and learned, the only thing he said he knew was Jesus Christ and his power. May that be the rock, the foundation we build our lives upon at home, work at school and in this place in your house may we be the bricks that you build your house upon 
may it stand, not necessarily within these four walls, but as a part of the forever church, singing praises, worshiping, preaching and teaching the good news until our last breath. Yes. Mm-hmm.